Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Owning a business comes with pressure. There's a limit to what I can do and still keep employees engaged. Fortunately, there's Insperity. They put 30-plus years of HR experience to work to help me with hiring, training, HR administration, and compliance, while giving my employees competitive benefit options. And because I'm able to focus on other priorities, my employees can thrive and my business can grow. With Insperity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. El condado de Santa Clara está pasando por una emergencia de sequía extrema. Valley Water le pide a la comunidad que limite el riego de jardines a un máximo de dos veces por semana. Trabajemos juntos y digámosle sí, ahorrar agua. Visite watersavings.org para más información. This is the Sons of UCF podcast, your place for UCF sports talk year-round. Now, here is Adam and Mike. Well, hello out there, everybody. It is the Sons of UCF. This is the 136th episode of said Sons of UCF. My name is Adam. And as always, your favorite guy in the world, Mr. UCF Mike, is back for another week with me as always. Michael, greetings, my friend. How are you? Fantastic. We just got done with another great interview to add to our library. I know... People think we've been getting lazy the last couple of weeks just doing reruns, but we got a fresh one for you this week. I think everybody's going to really love it, and I'm ready to kick off the rest of the show. Have we been accused of being lazy? I didn't. I haven't seen that. Are we? Are we lazy? I think we've accused ourselves of being. Well, lazy. I mean that's accurate, obviously. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, you'll you'll enjoy the one tonight, and you'll enjoy hopefully the whole show. So let me give you a quick little rundown. Obviously, Cal, the week is here as always. We'll go through our big three, and it'll be kind of recruiting focused. So more to come on that. Stay tuned. And then we got some headlines off the top, bounce house weekend, donations, college football playoff nonsense. We have all that. Uh, but our special guest this week is former UCF running back Ronnie Weaver Jr. Uh, if you're an, uh, a lifelong Knight fan, that name definitely rings a bell for you. If you're not, uh, it, it was, he had a really interesting career, Mike, when we, you and I did the research. Uh, he split a lot of carries with uh, different running backs and names that you, uh, you all know out there. Um, and they all each kind of had their one season where they went off and – um, and he was a part of some really big, uh, important moments of UCF history. So I think you'll enjoy listening to uh, to Ronnie Weaver Jr., Mike. He was great to catch up with. Yeah, he's a gentleman and a scholar. Great guy. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. And it was a weird time because you're coming off Kevin Smith where he's getting, what, like 380 carries by himself one year. Seems like he's the only guy who gets the ball. And then you get three guys to split the carries with Weaver and Bryn Harvey and Latavius Murray. 
we were spoiled in the backfield. We had other running backs on those rosters that were pretty good running backs. Never even got to, to get the ball. I mean, I'm talking about Jonathan Davis and guys like that. So he, he was a big part of our history, man. It was good to catch up with him. A cool story too. He, I, people may not know he was a walk-on initially and earned a scholarship and battled some time on special teams. And even after he had had some big seasons, still went back and, and played a big role in special teams because they asked him to. And the cool thing about him, like, is we I think we came up with a nice idea for him to uh, uh, to get some payback for Latavius Murray's NFL career. So stay tuned uh, to see if we can make that happen. But uh, uh, but let's start off with uh, the I guess the biggest news coming in and around. Uh, the UCF sports scene again. Uh, all all sports are, are pretty much coming to a uh, halt right now. Uh, some some ladies from the track and field team uh, are still uh, involved and, and active in uh, potentially uh, Olympic qualifying, Mike. So that'll be fun to watch, and we'll keep an eye on that as it progresses. But uh, probably the biggest news this uh, this weekend was Bounce House Weekend, which is what uh, the UCF football staff labeled uh, the recruiting trips this weekend. Mike, all told, I think I read or heard someplace that was thirty three kids were on campus in some form or fashion over that Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, period uh, and, and what was Bounce House weekend. Um, what's interesting, though, Mike, is a lot of people are, are kind of, uh, I don't know, frustrated, but, you know, I think there was a big boom watch uh, coming from Malzahn's Twitter and nothing kind of materialized, but you're hearing some some kids did commit uh, and, and maybe some more are coming. But overall, Mike, Bounce House weekend, uh, what are your impressions on what you heard and, and what you're able to read so far about how the event went? No booms? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's everybody's first reaction, but uh, there are word out there that there's at least three guys that are, are saying they're going to commit, maybe even more. So you're talking about 33 kids on campus. We can't sign all 33 of these guys. It's impossible. It goes over the scholarship limits. You're thinking out of this weekend alone, if you get five or six of these guys, that's a that's a very good weekend. You know, And the, these are the top players we wanted. The top players are going after all on campus at the same time. And high-profile players, guys that are deciding between us and Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Notre Dame, the big boys of college football, now we're included in that list. These guys are taking visits here. They're getting to see what the campus is all about. They're getting to learn from the coaches and the players that are here already and see it for themselves, which is great for us. But, um, you know, we're one day removed now from the weekend. These kids are making the decision that's going to affect their life. For the next few years, I mean, I guess the transfer portal, you could say for a year, but at least the, the, their college career starts with whatever decision they make coming up. And you can't blame them for wanting to take all their visits. So if they had UCF lined up this weekend and they're going to see Alabama next weekend, they're going to see Florida next weekend, whatever it is, you know, they're going to give those other teams the same opportunity. Hopefully our guys made that impression on them where they're going to come back and say, you know what, UCF is the place for me. So we didn't get a boom yet. Only one day removed. We may hear a boom once or twice later on this week. We, we may not hear for a couple of weeks. Signing day is not until, what, February? That's, that's the second signing day? Where's the first signing day? And there's an earlier one now, right? It's in December, yeah, December. Maybe or something. Yeah, December. So, I mean, that's a long way to go. Even if we were to get two or three booms today, that doesn't actually mean that those guys are, are locked in for us anyway. So, yeah, I'll take the booms today. I'll take them next week. I'll take them next month. doesn't really matter. Well, again, a lot of this was also just about, um, you know, I think Gus and the new staff just making kind of making their impression, kind of letting everyone know that they're here, um, building these relationships, putting on these kind of events, 
whether or not it nets them a bunch of recruits this time around, like you said, time will only tell on that, but it kind of establishes who they are and what they're going to be about. You know, they're going to be a player. They're going to, they're going to have these kids on campus. They're going to get these kids to actually show up on campus, which, you know, isn't something that happened before, Mike, you're seeing some of these kids and to your point, you're seeing their UCF this weekend, then they're going to go to Clemson, then they're going to go to Alabama, then they have something playing with Georgia Tech, then they're going to Tennessee, then they're going to Georgia, right? I mean, you're seeing our name, you know, thrown about with a lot of these kids where I'm not sure that was always happening in the past. I think obviously the the, the winning streak helped a lot of that, but I think the, the Gus Cachet is helping. I think, you know, get, getting the, this established as UCF is going to be a player in the recruiting space. And this is a this is a journey, right? It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a sprint. It's going to be a marathon in some respects, right? You're going to have to forge these relationships to to maybe you don't get the kid this year, but you get the kid from that school next year. Uh, and, and so some of that sets up. But like you said, there are rumors that booms are coming. Uh, obviously, we already have a couple of kids who committed. Uh, Thomas Castellanos and Miguel Malandano uh, uh, already already committed. Um, uh, one of the one of Maldonado's teammates, Keenis Thompson, uh, is a big D a D end. He's somebody that UCF's high on right now, and they think they have a good shot at. Uh, they had two corners, two DBs, Cam Miller and Nakai Martinez in. Those are, are guys uh, people want. Uh, we're in the mix for a couple of running backs out there as well. So, uh, you, know, you know, it's a it's going to be a long game. I think UCF getting on uh, on the radar of these kids, getting them to campus, uh, letting them kind of see the coaching staff. Mike, did you see the video of T. Will out there with a, I guess maybe, I assume it's a freestyle, uh, freestyle rap he had in front of the team? I did. I told you he was going to do that last week. He's going to come up with some lyrics for these guys, and he did. He delivered with that. I loved it. And that was actually the second best singing performance I saw from our coaching staff. Because did you see Herb Hand? I did see Herb. (laughs) Baby got back. He brought the the thunder on that one. And just videos like that getting out there is great for us, too. Okay, Because these kids are coming in here, even if they're not committing all of them, they're putting out this stuff, and kids that are going to be – visiting us in the next few weeks they're seeing these things too and they're getting to know these guys they're going to say hey ucf has a couple coaches down there that look like they're fun guys to play for i want to get down there and check them out too so all the stuff coming out of the campus this weekend is great for our recruiting and let's not forget i mean kids were not allowed on campuses officially for the last what 15 16 months mike so this is the first time a lot of these kids are getting a chance to get out, get trips, and and go through the recruiting process. And let's be real, it's exciting, right? Like if you're a 17, 18-year-old kid and you got a bunch of colleges who want you to go play for them and you get a chance to go around and see a bunch of these campuses and you know get treated like a rock star for a weekend, uh, that's that's probably some of these kids are all going to relish and, and I'll take the opportunity. So it shouldn't be super surprising that someone didn't commit on the spot. Sometimes those are the worst commitments anyway, right? Because those are just emotional commitments. This is great. I love it here. And the next week they go to Georgia and they love it there too. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what, it, what it bodes. I think there are people, and this is what we worried about, Mike, is, you know, Gus set the expectation level pretty high early on. And we've, you've talked about this on the show, like what's going to happen after our first loss and what's going to happen after our second loss ever. And cause we're, we're going to lose games at some point. Right. Um, and so here we are now one weekend and we didn't get all the five stars and there's a lot of people out there upset or disappointed or frustrated. Uh, so curious to see how the fan base will react. Cause obviously Gus has put the bar pretty high. Uh, and now he's got he's got tough expectations to, to to live up to. Thirty-three kids, I think what eighteen or thirteen of them were official visits. The other ones unofficial visits. I mean, these kids are going to come back again. These kids are going to come back during the season. They're going to see the atmosphere of a game day on campus. Maybe they come back for the Boise State game. Maybe they come back for the Cal game. Maybe they come back on a Friday night against Memphis. They're going to see that place rocking. They're going to get to hang out with the coaching staff again. This is just the beginning, right? And if you're one of these kids, just like you said, you want to go see all these other schools, 
it's like being on the bachelor man if you're a, you're the bachelor on the show you're not going to just go out with the first chick that that you meet on the show you want you want to go out and then try them all right and see who's got the best things to offer <laughs> and that's what these kids are doing so you can't blame them just let them go out and see and sometimes when they go to these other schools it'll make them realize that, they, that ucf is actually the right decision for them for whatever reason so i'm not scared i think we're going to still land a couple of them from this weekend whether it's today or whether it's a couple weeks down the road that sound you heard was all of our female listeners turning off the show. Um, look, there's still a couple of weeks left of visits. I think there, you have until the 25th or 26th, uh, so a couple of weeks are still out there. And, and maybe after these kids take those visits, then they'll sit back and assess kind of where they are. Uh, I think it's just a different kind of recruiting cycle right now. So uh, I think everybody, the the Aaron Rodgers message is R-E-L-A-X, relax. Uh, you know, obviously we're getting our name in there for talent. Hopefully we're able to, to seal the deal on a bunch of these guys. Uh, but I, I think Gus has done a nice job of identifying players. Uh, obviously the transfer portal has played out really well. So uh, while maybe the booms didn't come uh, as ferociously as we thought they would out of the weekend, sounds like we have some boomage to come. So uh, I think, uh, I think all in all, Mike, you know, you got if you're a UCF football fan and you have a, you know, good sense about what's happening around here. I think you have to feel really good about where we are. And I think you're going to trust that the booms are going to show up here in short order. The booms will be here. Here come the booms. When I can't promise you exactly, but they will be here. We are going to fill up this class and yeah, it's not something to be concerned about. Not over one weekend. We got a long way to go. We did get one big boom, Mike, over the weekend, but a different kind of boom uh, and something that I, I don't know if you inspired this to take place. I know you took credit for it, so I'll give it to you. Uh, something that yeah, perhaps uh, if you listen to the Suns UCF Live, uh, then maybe one of uh, one of our or one or two of our former alumni did. But news this week, Mike, that uh, Latavius Murray and Blake Bortles are combining on a five hundred thousand dollar gift to UCF, a donation. Uh, to uh, to help support the um, the sports medicine program, and when that gift is ready, and I guess when the upgrades are made or whatever the money is going to, it'll henceforth be known as the Bortles Bortles Murray Athletic Training Room, Mike. Uh, so I guess maybe a first time, at least in the football program, that we've seen uh, big time donations from uh, from alumni and NFL guys, Mike uh, Blake Bortles and Latavius Murray. Hopefully, the first of many guys uh, who are going to come back and uh, and get back to the program. That's right. I already did take credit for this on Twitter last week when I saw the news. It's exactly what I said. Some of our biggest alumni, our richest alumni, millionaires, are guys that came from the football program that got to have great NFL careers. Guys, Brandon Marshall, Asante Samuel, now Blake Bortles, Latavius Murray. These guys have money, and they, they love to give back to the school, and that's a great thing because the school did so much for them. Now they're giving back, and I love it. I I hope they continue to do it. I hope we see more guys do it. And we've seen a lot of guys back on campus now in the, in the last few weeks. So Marshall was back on campus. I heard Asante Samuel was back on campus talking to the players, talking to the recruits. They're doing their part. If they can throw some money here to, to help out the uh, athletics facilities, then that's a great thing too. Yeah, Latavius was there as well. I think he, he spoke to uh, to some guys, Mike. And, and I, I think that's the cornerstone of building kind of a, a legacy-type program now that – you know, these guys, their, their names will be on the buildings from, from here going forward. And as, as these high school guys are touring the buildings, they're going to see Bortles Murray and they're going to go, oh, yeah, those are two greats. And uh, and, and hopefully you're going to see more guys. You're going to see more uh, names on there, Mike. I think this helps build kind of the legacy of the program when when the guys are able to come back and, uh, and, and they're in a position financially that they can donate. 
and you said that there's still plenty of, of guys out there that, that can still get involved. You know, obviously everyone's finances are, are different and everyone has a different, uh, you know, financial structure and what they want to build. But, you know, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of good guys out there, Mike. And I think it's a really good first step. I, I, and I don't know if this is Mahajra reaching out to these guys, if this is these guys kind of calling on their own. I'm curious to see how that how that went down, because obviously we never saw anything like this during. Um, during the Danny White day. So uh, I'd love to know the backstory and how it came about. But all in all, it's it's great news for the program. Uh, really awesome of Latavius and, and Blake to do this. Obviously shows how much they care about UCF and shows how much they care about the program. And uh, hopefully it inspires a couple other guys to, to maybe open their checkbooks and do the same. That's right. It, it's great when we have guys like Wayne Dench that, that donates all the money he does and Roth. Those are uh, great and will take every dollar they want to give us. But when it's one of your former players, it kind of hits a little different, especially from a fan that's watched these kids as kids, as teenagers come into the program, grow up with the program, and then become successful. Uh, you, you love to see it. And not just football players now. Let, maybe we see some more famous celebrities. And we've had some other big ones. And if this happens now, I'm going to take credit for that too. <laughs> but, you know, Cheryl Hines is a big-time name. He's made plenty of money in acting career. Daniel Tosh is another one. Uh, Dalhauser, uh, a gold medalist. We've got plenty of people that have come through UCF now that have been very successful. And now that they see that the program is growing the way it is, they want to be, maybe they want to be a part of this and help this thing get even further. Well, if it does, Mike, one of the things that may happen because of that is uh, continued national prominence. We talked about this on our live shows. That's Thursday nights on the Internet. You can find me, Mike, and Trace Trelko wherever you get your Internet stuff, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, college football announced kind of late last week, Mike, that they are, um, they've officially got a proposal on the table that will expand the college football play up to 12 teams. Uh, obviously it'll be, uh, you know, sort of status quo in terms of conference championships or highest ranked conference championships and a bunch of at large bids. Uh, the, the thinking here being Mike, that this is a big win for the quote unquote group of five teams that this would uh, potentially have gotten them one or two spots in each of the last, uh, several different college football playoffs. If that model was in place now. Uh, obviously, UCF would be a, a school that would be poised to benefit from this the most. Uh, Gus Malzahn tweeted out his uh, his support and approval. And by and large, Mike, I think everyone who's who's looked at this and, and read into it and thought about it so far has said this is nothing but a positive for UCF. We were a tad more skeptical, not because UCF won't won't you know be good enough, but more so because the NCAA and the ESPN and the College Football Committee people will find a way to screw this up, Mike. But overall, the, the news that broke, obviously, about a potential expansion, um, that is that's certainly got to help and, and hopefully an exciting part of UCF's future, right? I'm always a little wary when things are just seem too good to be true. And this is something that seems like we've been waiting forever. It, it's kind of like when we heard about, hey, we're joining the Big East and this is going to be it. And then all of a sudden the Big East disappears. Or, hey, the Big 12 is expanding and we're one of the top candidates. And then all of a sudden they stop exploring new candidates. Now this, this is a huge one. The playoff expanding to 12 teams. I mean, this is what we've been crying about now for the last five years. Give us a shot to get in this playoff. We were, never had a real path to get in, no matter what they told us. We knew it, they were full of crap. We were never getting in as a 14 playoff. Now at 12 teams, and the parameters they set for it, the, what they're talking about doing, the top six conference champions, I mean, the American has been the clear sixth best conference actually probably fourth or fifth if you talk about ahead of the big 12 and the pac 12 even though they would never rank us ahead of those teams but sixth for sure we win our conference we would get in this is all we've been asking for a fair shake to where we know ahead of the time 
before the season starts, if we do what we need to do, if we go undefeated, we're in. If we maybe have even just one loss, we're in. And the way they wrote it, or the way it seems like it's going to happen, is the best possible thing for us. There are no guarantees for even the P5. So if the Pac-12 is in a down year and their conference champion only has, you know, has three, four losses, we could be ranked ahead of those guys. Same thing with the Big 12. Same thing with even the ACC if Clemson seems to fall off one year and some other team gets in there. So a lot of ways now for us to make the playoff. And as a UCF fan, you got to be thrilled with that. We, we are in a prime seat now. I, it could be argued that we may not want to leave this conference for a while. We, if we can make the playoff now for the next five, six years consistently, uh, I mean, there is so much to be had now. The future is so bright with this move. Yeah, the net net of it is if things are as uh, advertised early on, and, and we should stress this is just a proposal. This has not been approved. This has not been voted on. This is simply a proposal that will go in front of a committee. There still has to be negotiations with a TV contract with ESPN because that wasn't due up until 2025. Uh, and so do they want to open that negotiation up or negotiation up early? What does that look like? There's obviously some bowl tie-ins that are going to come into play. Uh, you know, if you're going to play a lot of these games early on and, and at home team stadiums, is that going to negate the, the need for as many bowl games? There's revenue tied to that. So it can, it can not be made up. Uh, so there's still a lot of hurdles to cross. But you're right. If, if it turns out to be what it says on paper, UCF stands to be one of the biggest winners in this process if it, if it becomes true to form. Um, and, and so you're right. This is what we've been asking for. We've been saying, give us a chance. I don't think anyone expected it to happen this soon. I think we all always said, hey, this probably is another few years off before it even becomes a thing. And so to have it on the doorstep now in 2021 as a, as a talking point, to, to maybe have it in front of votes and committees. Yeah, you, if you're a UCF fan, just think about all the things that have aligned for us in really the last six months, right? Uh, you know, we, we've got uh, we got a, we got a new coach that, that came in to kind of energize stuff, a new athletic director. Now we've got some new finances. We have new buildings opening. Obviously, we've, we've redone a little bit of our uh, football facilities. We have a new staff that's out there recruiting, uh, and now we have a chance maybe to get into a playoff. We have we have Twitter names on jerseys. I mean, things have really sort of taken uh, uh, a hard right turn towards the positive for UCF, and it's so funny, Mike, because. We did our shows back in January when, when Danny White was leaving and Hypo was leaving, and it was like gloom and doom, what's going to happen next? And here we are um, six short months later, and if you had wrote out a list of like, hey, if these five things would happen in the next six months, it would be great. We've probably hit like four or five of them at this point, right? And and who would have ever thought six months ago that we'd be in this position? Yeah, it's like we're dreaming. That's why I'm not going to get totally excited about it until it's official because the way things are written out right now, it seems – perfect and i don't think that's the way it's going to end up there's going to be some kind of tweak some kind of changes to this the the p5 people are going to get in a room and say wait a minute do we really want to give this can, can we adjust the wording on that can, can we figure out a way to make more monies for ourselves are we letting these other conferences maybe get too much can we find a way where we can guarantee that there won't be two g5 conferences getting in there that something's going to change right and i i think that that's definitely going to happen. They got to figure something out with the bowl games and the bye weeks and who gets home field advantage. All that stuff sounds great for now. Tell me when it's all official, and then I'm going to throw my party because then we, we can start booking trips for the playoff, man. I, we're going to be in that sucker more times than not, and especially the way we've been running this conference for the last few years. It's very exciting. Party at uh, UCF Mike's house. I think the thing to uh, to think about is going to be the Notre Dame effect because they are essentially boxed out of this 
by not being in a conference meeting. They can never be one of those top four seeds, Mike. Uh, and so for a, a quote-unquote blue blood like Notre Dame to really kind of be boxed out because of no conference, I think that's where you're going to see some interesting negotiations and some 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 haggling because no, Notre Dame is not going to want to be on the outside looking in based on their, their program. But uh, go back to 14 when this started. I mean, uh, you know, four straight years, you would have had the 12 seed as the group of five team. It would have been Boise, Houston, Western Michigan, then UCF. In 2018, UCF would have been the eight seed. Uh, which would have placed us as a home game against the nine seed Washington that year. Memphis was a 12 seed in 19 and then two teams in 2020. Cincinnati would have been an eight seed and Coastal would have been a 12 seed. Uh, so th- there are definitely spots to be had, again, if this comes to, to fruition. But my prediction is watch Notre Dame because they're going to be they're going to be upset that they're not involved in this and there's going to have to be something made. And I think that's where it'll, it'll be interesting, you know, what tweaks or modifications have to be, uh, have to be voted in because of uh, trying to appease Notre Dame. Right. And the Rose Bowl always has a big say in these things, too, yeah. for whatever reason. But we fantasize and talk about that three-week stretch or the three-game stretch of the end of 2017 with the Cal game and the Memphis Championship game and then the Peach Bowl. That's three crazy games in a row. Imagine if this playoff comes to the way we're talking about. We're going to have to talk about five, six games in a row where you're talking about the Cal game at the end of the year then the conference championship game, and then we'd have to win four playoff games. <laughs> That's six games in a row where you're like, oh, my God, and who knows what the schedule is like before that. Between November, December, and January, it's going to be heart attack city for us in a good way because if we're in those games, that means we're at the top of college football, and I can't wait for it. Man. So buckle up. It's an exciting time now. and see what happens with the Gus bus in charge. Everything seems like it's headed in the right direction. What a time to be alive, Mike, and what a time to think about recruiting. We talked about it a second ago, and we're going to take an interesting look at recruiting in our big three this week. So our big three with a heavy recruiting focus coming up next. Uh, This is the Sons of UCF. Don't you go anywhere. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajer, and in my spare time, when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on. All right, the big three is back for another week. If you're new, here's what Mike and I do. We have a topic, and then we each get to pick uh, three, our, our, our top three, our best three, our favorite three for this particular category. Anybody can do four. That's really easy. Not many people can do three. That's why it's the big three. And this week's topic, Mike, is all about recruiting. And uh, and our topic would be the big three selling points or reasons why uh, a, a, a high school kid, whatever you want to call it, would go to UCF. So the big three recruiting selling points to come to UCF. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to go draft style again this week, uh, which means uh, somebody will get first pick, the next two, and then we'll go all the way until we get to each of us having a list of three. We can obviously not pick the same thing somebody else picks. So if you uh, want your selection, you have to get it in there quickly. 
And order is determined by the the fan vote. So we put these big threes out on the internet. Uh, last week's Mike was big three home and home series. We'd like to see based on just any factor we want it. And sad to say, once again, the fans got it wrong and you won that vote, which means for the third straight week, UCF Mike is picking first, Mike. So uh, your first pick selling points to come play football at UCF are what? All right. The number one thing I have, and it's UCF itself, the campus and where it is. The campus, compared to other schools, even like Florida and Florida State, it's new. The buildings are fantastic. Where you're living, the dorms, the apartments that are right there, are you kidding me? What a difference it has been from now to where it was when we were there, when the guys were living in CVI, Collegiate Village Inn, to the beautiful places they have right there on campus now. The athletic village where you are steps away from your practice fields and the food and the training and all everything is right there. The way it's set up is perfect. You're right in the middle of Florida being in Orlando. You are no matter if you're a Florida kid, you're what three hours, maybe four hours tops from any other place in Florida and your family can come watch you play there in Orlando. The weather is great. You're not freezing. You're not going up to Notre Dame or Ohio state where you, Three, four months out of the year, you, you can't even step outside because it's snowing. Uh, the city of Orlando itself is incredible. It, it's You get the best of both worlds. You get the college town around UCF campus where you get the bars and you get the parties at, at the apartments and all that. And then you also have downtown where it's more of a big city style. You, you don't get that in every college town. Uh, you get other things like the theme parks, the, the Universal Studios, Disney. How about the job opportunities living in Orlando? This is this is all just After one category still, by the way. This is all just That's one. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the campus and the, right. You've named like the 10. campus and where it's located is one spot one big thing. University of Central Florida itself and where it's at. I mean, think about that. If you want to work somewhere after college, you're already there. You're in Orlando. You have all the connections there. If you're going to school in Gainesville, all those people in Gainesville move to Orlando after college. You know, nobody ever goes from Orlando to Gainesville after they graduate. Nobody. So Sorry. just where you're at and the where you're living is the number one selling point for me. <laughs> okay. So I put down for Mike's number one, UCF slash Orlando. Uh, I think that's a fair representation. I feel like Camp- he named like 12 things there, but that's fine. I wrote down campus slash location. Okay. All right. Well, that's Mike's uh, overall number one pick, uh, top seed. My number one pick, Mike, I wrote down innovation slash creativity. If you think about all the things that the football program has done over the past, you know, five, six years, they've been on the cutting edge of a lot of cool things. And while other schools do some of this stuff too, where are you going to get all of it in one package, Mike? The uniform combinations, I know for a lot of people, it seems silly. Uh, I know you're a Yankees fan. It's two uniforms. That's all you need. But kids these days love the uniform stuff. They have all the different combinations between the pewter, the silver, the gold, the black, the white. Uh, then we throw in the space uniforms, which year over year continue to win uh, awards for uniforms. It's probably not a coincidence, Mike, that in the photo shoots this past week when kids are on campus, most of them are wearing the space uniforms in those photo shoots. So you've got the uniform creativity. Obviously, you've got uh, you've got a couple of things to do in social media. Not to not to you know not to discount the fact that we just put Twitter handles on the, on the back of people's jerseys. Uh, that uh, UCF has has been for, uh, forward thinking in terms of how name, image, and likeness is going to play out. 
Uh, so I think you got innovation there. Think about what they do with Netflix, Mike, and all the different uh, behind uh, the, the Quest episodes, all that stuff. I mean, there's there's so much good content out there on social media. UCF football is, is super, uh, super active on social media. Gus Malzahn's throwing billboards up all over the greater southeast, proclaiming it to you know, the, the place of the future of college football. Uh, you've got facilities we're continuing to build. Everyone's got the, you know, the bigger, the better. UCF's thinking about building a, uh, a lazy river and a recovery cove situation. Uh, obviously, there's already a pool right there on campus. Uh, and so you've got, uh, you've got facilities that are continuing to get better. I think UCF, one of the one of the first, if not one of the only schools with on-field cabanas. So fans are literally that close to you. And where else can you hear reservation for six in the cabanas? You're not hearing that at Ohio State. You're not hearing that at Tennessee. You're only hearing that stuff at UCF. Uh, so I think the innovation and the creativity that the athletic de- uh, department and the football program have shown, uh, again, you can go and get, you know, cool uniforms someplace and you may be able to go and get a, a good, you know, social media team, but where are you going to find all these things together in the same spot? So my number one pick is innovation and creativity is the reason you want to come to UCF. All right. That's a good one. We are the it school of our time right now. It was Miami back in the eighties and nineties. Everybody want to be a part of that. It was Oregon in the early two thousands. They were the cool school with the cool uniforms. Everybody wanted to be a part of that. And now I think UCF has stepped up in those last few years with everything you just mentioned to be that it school. All right. So uh, I get the, uh, the next pick on the sort of the, the wrap around here. So my, uh, my first pick of the second round, Mike, I'm going to go with the ability to play in new year six bowl games. And while certainly you can play new year six bowl games in any school at UCF, if you come to UCF, and you take care of business, meaning you win um, uh, all, if not most, of your games. You're going to put yourself in the driver's seat to play in a New Year's Six Bowl every single season. Obviously, things may change if the bowl stuff uh, does does get modified, and and we'll worry about that when we get there. But for right now, Mike, if you're in UCF this year or next year, and you come here and you win all your games, you play and take care of business, you're going to get a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. And I, I can't say that's going to happen everywhere, right? Because you can be a, a two-loss SEC team and be playing in the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Right, you can be a, a two-loss Big Ten team and, and be at the Valero Alamo Bowl, right? Uh, but if you see if if you come here and you take care of business, you are going to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl year in and year out. Uh, and and I don't know if too many schools can can really say that with that much confidence. Every school has the the avenue to potentially get there, but I think UCF has shown the history, they've shown the blueprint, they've shown the model to how to do it, uh, and there's a path to get there. And it's simple: take care of business, and you're there. So I think the ability to to play New Year's Six bowl games, the fact that we've you know we've already been to, to three and, and one two in sort of the short time that we've been eligible for that stuff, I think bodes for for how easy. Uh, it can be if you take care of business. So number two for me, the ability to play in New Year's Six Bowl games and why you want to come to UCF. All right, and I think that is going to change into going to the playoff because those games are going to technically be playoff games. Once we win our conference, that's where we're going. So right now, New Year's Six is great. In a few years, uh, those New Year's Six games are playoff games. So yep. we'll be in those two. Those are good ones. Back to me now, all right? That's you. And my, my second pick right now uh, is the coaches and, and the staff that's in place right now. Coach Gus Malzahn, with the staff he's put together, we, we've got a combination of everything. We've got the experience. Malzahn has been in these big-time games. He's played for national championships before. The staff that he's put together, T. Will and Herb Hand, these guys, we've seen the videos. They relate to the players. People love these guys. And I think you're going to see as time goes on, this may end up being the best all-around staff we've had. And they're, they're starting now with the recruiting. Yeah, yeah, we talked about Yeah, we didn't get any booms this weekend, but they're coming. 
And after that, we're going to start seeing the results on the field. These guys, you got to love to want to come play for these guys. If you're a high school player, you've seen the results out of these guys already. You've seen what Gus can do at Auburn in the SEC. He's been, he's won on every level he's been at. He, he won at uh, Arkansas State. He won at Tulsa. He's won at Auburn. He's going to come here and he's going to win here too. The coaches for me and this, this whole staff is my second pick. Yeah, that can't be argued. I think Gus brings cachet, right? The, when his name was announced, I think a lot of people were kind of like moaned and groaned, but it wasn't probably like eight hours later where everyone was on board. And the more you've got to know his coaching staff, the more you, you fall in love with guys like T-Will, guys like Han- Herb Hand. Uh, you see these guys and their personality. You see kind of the young energy. Kareem Reed has been a great addition to the staff and bringing back some of that UCF tradition and legacy, uh, helping with recruiting. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of that stuff together. And, and uh, you know, we, strength conditioning, obviously, Coach Dawson has been someone whose name has come up pretty much in every press conference that we heard uh, sort of in the, in the spring season. Uh, so guys can, can come to UCF and know they're going to get their body right. They're going to get in great shape. They're going to be, you know, fast and quick and physical. Uh, so, so far now, again, they haven't, they haven't coached a game yet. So, uh, we, we, we don't want to anoint them too soon, but I think you're right. The potential is there for this to be a, a home run staff. And, uh, if you're a kid looking to go play someplace and play for some dynamic coaches and coaches with experience and coaches who are going to get you better and coaches who are going to get you to the next level, um, it, it, you know, UCF staff is definitely one of those top staffs, um, you know, and especially in the Southeast. So, um, the coaching staff definitely makes a lot of sense as a number two pick. All right. And my third and final pick is your opportunity to create history. Ooh. So we've Damn got it. schools that, uh, you know, Florida, they, they've won some national championships. They've been playing football for over 100 years. It's for you to go there and, and do something for them to remember. And you're not going to pass Tim Tebow, basically. They, they've already got statues around the stadium for guys like that. Same thing in Ohio State, same thing in Notre Dame and Michigan. Here, you have a chance to be a legend. You want to come here and do things that have never been done before. You want to take this team to the playoffs for the first time. You want to win a national championship here, even though we've already done that. But to do it in the, in the eyes of the rest of the country, that still needs to be done. You want to come here and beat the Gators and beat Miami and beat Florida State because soon they're not going to be able to run away from us anymore. They're going to find us in the playoffs. And we're going to come here and take over the state of Florida. This is your chance to come do that here and make a name for yourself, be a legend at UCF, and people will remember you forever. And this, the school is young. We've only been here playing football for 40 years, and we've gone through every level of football there is. Not every school can say that. And now we're, we're taking it all the way to the top. Our guest this week, Ronnie Weaver, tells us UCF stands for opportunity. This is your opportunity to come here and make history. Don't be a part of history but make your own history at UCF. I think that's a big appeal for some guys to come here and make a big name for themselves. Wow. I feel like I just listened to the Al Pacino uh, uh, piece with inches speech from any given Sunday there. That was fantastic. You threw in the Ronnie Weaver, a UCS for opportunity quote. That was well done by you. We should write that down. They should use that someplace. <laughs> the inches we need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they're everywhere around us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's tough because that was kind of what I was going to go with. I wasn't going to go with that specific. You framed it history, make history. Uh, I framed it as um, you get a chance to to be a part of an up-and-coming 
uh, kind of strategy program, alumni base, but that's kind of kind of exactly what you said. Uh, and so you've taken a lot of mine. I had I had like even money. You were going to put girls on your list at some point. So I figured <laughs> I would have an easy gimme here uh, somewhere. But you didn't go with girls, which leaves me to maybe go with girls, which I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, but we've already touched on a lot of the other um, great opportunities. And so I'm going to I'm going to pander to the fan base here, Mike. I'm going to go your my third reason to come to UCF is you get to beat down your rival every year. Every year you get to play your rival and every year you pretty much guarantee you're going to beat them down and you're going to continue to keep them down. A lot of these schools, right, you go play for the great rivalries and it's back and forth. It swings here and it swings there. And it's Michigan, it's Ohio State, it's Duke, North Carolina, it's, it's Stanford, Cal. But every year if you come to UCF, you're going to play the rivals, the cows, and every year you're going to beat them down. And there's nothing better than when you go to a school and you have a rival and every year in the rivalry game, you're the team coming out on top. You're the team dancing on the logo. You're the team putting the, uh, you know, the, the interstate sign in the ground. Uh, so the ability to know you're going to come to a school and you're going to play a rival who probably should be a JV team, but you're going to beat them down every year. That's a, that's a huge selling point. Uh, you're going to have all those trophies. You're always going to win the, win the rivalry games, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and if you're in Orlando, you're going to probably play against some, some kids you played against in high school. So you get a, a lot of trash talk opportunities. So my third reason to come to UCF is you always get to beat down your rival. All right. That is maybe a little recency bias since the series itself is tied six, six, but <laughs> uh, I see where you're coming from. Look, I need, a, uh, look I need a win here. Like I feel like this is the pandering to the fan base as a, as a win option for my big three. So I, I need a win here. I'm going to pander by making fun of the cows. I feel like that always plays well. You should have just gone with girls. I think that would have been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I could have won some votes on that one. Uh, because the, the women that are at UCF are, have always been you know, top-notch, and some of them are listening to us now. And we appreciate all you guys, unless you turned it off a couple minutes ago when I made my other comment. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, beating the cows it has become a yearly honor that we've enjoyed for the last few years. And we look forward to keeping it going. But, there comes a little pressure with that now. That the you don't want to be that one class that loses to the cows now. You know, oh, and yeah. that, they kind of they they have that thing going for them. Where come here and be the school that be the year that beats UCF, which hasn't happened in a while. Which, like when we finally beat them for the first time, it was a big deal for us. When they finally beat us again, if that ever happens, that would be a huge deal for them. I, that day, I am not looking forward to. Uh, again, I need some votes here. So here are our lists again. If you're scoring, you know, Mike's big three in order. Number one uh, seed was uh, campus location. Number two was coaches and the coaching staff. And number three was the chance to be a history maker. My list, number one, was innovation and creativity. Number two, New Year's Six Bowl slash potential uh, playoffs if that ever comes around. And then three, you always get to beat down your rival. So those are our big three lists, Mike. I will put those out on social media. I've been doing that on like Friday mornings. Uh, just to give everyone some time to, to hear the show. I, I feel like if people hear the reasonings behind them, they may vote differently. I don't know how many people are listening to the reasons first, but I'll give you some time to listen in. But we'll throw these out there on social media. and You tell us who got the list right. Winner gets uh, first pick for next week's Big 3, Mike. I feel I'm on, a, I'm on an 0-2 losing streak. You've got a couple of strong ones here. I feel really good. I feel like innovation and creativity is going to be um, – it's a little broad. I don't know if people will know what I mean by that. So I feel like that one could come back to bite me. I feel like I'm going to beat you down. Like we beat down the cows every week again on this one. This week's vote was a lot closer than last week's. I think, right. I didn't see the final total. Yeah. I think actually, I think last week's, yeah, I think last week's actually was, was, I think you beat me by more this past week than you did during week one. Oh, really? I think so. All right. 
Once I start losing, right, I, right, right. I stop paying attention. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll see. You know, the people, UCF fans are tricky. When you think they're going to zig, they zag. So who knows? Well, who knows uh, what will happen, Mike. But one thing I do know is our guest coming up after this break is uh, uh, just a great all-around player, a great story, just a, a good dude overall. Um, and somebody that's easy to root for, and we're glad he was able to join us, and uh, even more glad that he played for UCF. So stick around and uh, and catch up with one of uh, one of the best ones to uh, to play UCF, and uh, one of the best stories of UCF. Don't go anywhere. Sons of UCF returns right after this. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. have a new interview listen up all right our guest this week is a a guy who played a, a big role for UCF for a number of years he was part of a maybe one of the most heralded backfields we had in, in UCF history uh, so happy to have Ronnie Weaver Jr. joining us on the show this week first of all Ronnie thanks so much for taking some time we're glad to have you on the show no problem man appreciate y'all for reaching out um, definitely apologize for the Back and forth, man, but I definitely owe you, so glad to be a, glad to be here. All right, well, you can pay us off by telling a good Georgia Leary story later on down the road, but let's just start <laughs> at the because I know you have some, by the way, everybody does. Um, let's just start off at the beginning really quickly. So, uh, I read a little bit of your background, but why don't you tell people how did you end up coming to UCF because you came as a walk on? Uh, so tell us the story of how you ended up in Orlando for UCF. Yeah, I actually did. Uh, so I guess the story would be. Uh, got got out of high school and I actually I actually played safety in high school. Um, I graduated from Vero Beach High School, kind of grew up further south Florida, kind of Vero Beach, Fort Lauderdale area. And then we transitioned up to Vero Beach um, and I played safety all the way through high school. Uh, funny story that Derek called me, who was actually at um, UCF during the same time frame period. Uh, he and I would go back and forth. Uh, being number one and number two ranked safety in the Treasure Coast because he went to Fort Pierce Central High School. And uh, so throughout my freshman, sophomore, and junior year of high school, uh, we were ranked back and forth number one and number two safeties in the area. My senior year, I transitioned to play running back, um, and I kind of lost some some sizzle, I guess you would say, in terms of recruiting. And I really didn't have any um, – offers coming out of school. I had one like really small offer in New York, like a D2, D3 school. And uh, New York wasn't going to happen. That's <laughs> just cold in New York. So uh, at the same time, I, um, you know, I just used my academics, right? So I was in a AP program. I wanted to uh, study some science and uh, biology has really interested me uh, since I was younger. And uh, kind of settled between uh, the arch rival across the across the highway there, I-4, uh, at USF or UCF. And um, I actually just picked UCF just because it was the, the school that my mom um, 
liked the least. And <laughs> I just kind of, I just kind of went against the grain there. She wanted me to go to USF. I was like, yeah, let me go to UCF and see what I can do here. Um, but I had Antonio Wallace and I don't know if you guys have uh, had him on or not, but Antonio Wallace actually graduated from Vera Beach high school as well. And he, he uh, gave my cassette tape or uh, my VHS tape to coach Tim, Tim Salem. And Tim with coach Salem was like, well, yeah, you can come and walk on. I saw your tape. So I guess you can come and walk on the team. And that's kind of how I got my opportunity through Antonio Wallace and coach Tim Salem to get an opportunity to walk on. So um, it was just history from there, but it was really a, uh, I wouldn't say a fluke decision. It was calculated, but it was just uh, an opportunity for me to go somewhere different um, from where my family knew of and um, kind of make a name for myself and uh, forge a new path, so to speak. Well, things have worked out well for you. you. You get to campus as a walk-on, and after that first fall camp, you uh, you get yourself a scholarship opportunity. So you get on scholarship pretty quickly when you get to UCF. Why do you think you earned that opportunity? What do you, what did you do in that first fall camp? You think that stood out to the coaching staff? Uh, I'll I'll be honest with you. I, I really didn't leave the practice facility. Uh, they kind of just kept having to deal with me. <laughs> um, I, I was just I was kind of always around. Uh, I was always early. I think I stood out in terms of my ability to pick up the playbook, but that's, you know, uh, we kind of ran a similar uh, uh, offense when I did uh, play offense in high school. So the concepts weren't difficult for me to to pick up. uh, And I just ran really, really hard. I had nothing to lose. It was just really um, the only opportunity and the the shot that I had, because I really didn't have, um, a lot of money to go to school. So I was going to have to end up either taking out loans or somehow trying to figure it out to, to stay at UCF. And really the scholarship was my best. I wouldn't say the only opportunity, but it really was my best shot to stay at UCF um, in an efficient manner. And uh, I just put everything I had into it. Right. So I just really stayed up all night, studied, uh, slept as much as I could. um, And, uh, was really at the facility 24/7, trying to trying to be in everybody's faces and and just really be a hard nosed runner and and learn as quickly as I could. So, so during that first year, you got to learn watching probably the best running back in UCF history, Kevin Smith, especially in that season. What was it like? What did you learn from Kevin watching him that year? So what was wild with Kevin, right? So uh, I think the spring when I came up and visited UCF. Kevin wasn't playing. Kevin had, I think he had hurt his shoulder or something like that. So he wasn't playing. So I didn't really know how good Smitty was. Like I, I didn't really know. I didn't, I didn't understand the gravity of who I was coming to play with. So I was like, all right, well, cool. I can, you know, I can play with these cats. And then he gets in the fall camp and he starts gliding through the defense. And like, we got some, you know, really big, guys at that time uh defense was stout defense was great very fast we had some 10-year safeties and he's like slicing the whole defense up i was like oh man this dude is for real um but i think one of the main things i learned from from kevin is uh he was a student of the game and i think that that's where we met um the most on is that he knew uh the protections he knew the defenses um he had seen them so many times before and he knew what moves he needed to make in order to uh, 
you know, make a big play. And uh, I think that's where he, he kind of helped me with some film study. He helped me with some aggressiveness as far as pass protection, things of that nature. And, um, you know, we used to laugh and joke all the time, but um, it, it really helped me become a more uh, kind of a, a more decisive player in terms of, okay, I know I've studied. I know I, I understand what the defense is going to give me. Like, what am I doing to react to it now? So uh, that's where he really shed some light on my career, and I, I definitely appreciate it. I mean, he would come back to games and say, hey, man, you need to hit the the, the cutback uh, when the safety comes over top. So um, he would give us little notes on the sideline and uh, give us little tips at practice because, he, you know, he had seen it a thousand times, and he was a rock star, man. So I, I definitely appreciate it. That must have been a cool season to be a part of anyway, just because it's a new stadium. You know, uh, we got some Texas coming in. There's some other big games. We go to the Liberty Bowl at the end of the year. We lose that game. Do you get to travel to that game? I, tra- I, I travel every game, every away game, and didn't play a lick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was on the sideline the entire season. Um, but, I, I, you know, it, it was a great experience, right? Um, I think – um, and I don't know how if y'all have gotten this story or not, but like, uh, you know, Coach O'Leary has this thing to where the the bus leaves at a certain time, but you need to be at the bus before the certain time. So uh, on game days, it's 30 minutes early. Um, every time else during the week, it will be 15 minutes early. But on game days, it's, it's an unwritten rule that was 30 minutes early. Um, me being a freshman in a walk-on, I didn't realize that it was 30 minutes early. Um, so our first away game, uh, which would have been, I think it was NC State at that point, I'm basically late to the bus as being a first-time traveling walk-on guy and uh, at our one of our bigger games that year. And I'm late getting to the bus and Coach Salem let me have it and all the rest of the running backs let me have it. But I didn't I didn't really understand what was going on. But I traveled to every game, including the game at Mississippi State where it was like 12 degrees outside. And uh, <laughs> we ended up uh, breaking out the, the, the one, I guess, windbreaker jacket we had uh, with that and the equipment staff. So uh, it was a very interesting time to be around UCF, uh, a lot of great a lot of great memories from that first season. I learned a whole lot from just the whole um, staff that was there, the players, everybody. So they they let you actually go to the NC State game, or you were late and you couldn't make the trip? So so I actually went to the NC State game. Um, so I was I was actually after after uh, preseason um, camp. I was actually number two on the depth chart and. Um, Kevin Smith, I hurt his ankle like right before the the game, maybe like a week or two before the game. But we had both had gotten ankle injuries. I had like a high ankle sprain. Kevin had like an ankle and a kind of a shoulder he was dealing with. And uh, there was very much a potential that I was going to play that game because, um, you know, Philip Smith and I were basically going back and forth with number two reps on the depth chart. Um, Kevin was obviously still starting, but I traveled um, and dressed and uh, actually dressed for every game in the in, in the anticipation that I potentially may have to go into the game, which was nerve wracking in itself. Um, but, I, you know, I had a lot of 
a lot of guys that played with me and we were all freshmen at that point. Um, Kamar Aiken, Derek Hallman, Lawrence Young, we were all kind of playing in and around that time frame as freshmen. So if I had to go in, I had some support. Um, but there was definitely a potential I could have gotten in the game. Um, but after the first run, he, I think, breaks an 80-yard run. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm getting in this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, that season ends, and, and 2008 comes around. Kevin, Kevin's gone. Uh, but kind of a three-headed monster emerged at UCF. So it was you, Bryn Harvey, Latavius Murray, all young guys, all, all competing and fighting. What was that like for you? Take us back to that time in that running back room. How much did the, the three of you guys kind of push each other? How much did that competition make you a better overall player? Oh yeah, we uh we we fought. We I guess we had friendly fights. I guess you would call it. Uh, but we we really pushed each other um, the entire season. Uh, we didn't really recognize internally. I guess the whole three-headed monster deal. I mean, it sounded real good in the newspaper when folks were covering it and things of that nature. Um, but we all had our own kind of sauce we would bring to the party. I guess you would say and. Um, it was interesting to, to learn from those guys. Again, we were all super young, uh, not a whole lot of playing experience during that time frame. And uh, we really just had the opportunity to go out, see what worked, see what didn't work. Um, we had some successes. I mean, we had some failures. Uh, but I think most of all, we had some lessons that we could take from each other uh, for watching film, breaking down things. Um, kind of Coach Salem get, he, and Coach Gossie, they kind of gave us the the freedom to kind of live through our mistakes, right? And I know it was some growing pains for everybody, including probably going watch back and watching some of that tape after we screwed up with an assignment or something like that, something along those lines. But um, it was a very uh, interesting time fr- frame, and y- you know, you kind of find out what you're built out of when you go through some times like that, right? And I think that that was the um, first kind of, I guess you would say, down period we had in our career in terms of we're not winning a tremendous amount of games, um, or at least by a, a fabulous margin, which kind of just uh, leaning on the defense as much as we can, and hopefully we get the ball in the end zone one or two times a game. But um, I, I definitely got some fond memories from the first season kind of starting and um, then getting put at second string and playing a lot of special teams, and it was uh, it's an interesting time. Well, the other interesting um, kind of carousel you you faced, particularly in that next year, was was a lot of change of quarterback. You had you had Greco, you had Calabrese. Then later on in your career, you had Red Hodges, then you had Godfrey, then you had Bortles down the run. But at least for those first couple of years, a lot of you know alternating between Greco and Calabrese as a running back. How is it difficult to get used to different quarterbacks? Is it is it hard for you to kind of adjust to to a new guy being in there um, and and maybe not knowing who's going to get the you know get the ball every game? Well. Um... I can tell you one thing about uh, Greco. He, he, so he was left-handed. So if you're actually catching like a swing route um, out of the backfield, the ball spins differently, and uh, the trajectory of the ball is a little different. Um, so that was really the main difference between uh, Calabrese and, and Greco. Uh, but as far as their, their leadership and things of that nature, uh, they were both guys that would get in and command the attention of uh, the offensive line and command the attention of our uh, receiver, receivers and offensive core. 
Um, it, it was interesting in the fact that sometimes you didn't know who was really starting and what type of offense we would run because, you know, we could kind of see um, the difference in opening up the offense when Mike got in, who was a little bit more mobile type guy. And uh, when Calabrese got in, you know, he would we would do more drop back pass. But um, for us, I mean, we're going to run the same type of plays it just kind of depends on who's handing off the ball so as long as they get it in the bread basket we're in good shape <laughs> refresh our memory a little bit about 2009 because in 2008 you got the ball a lot and then in 2009 i see you only had 19 carries were you banged up a little bit that year what, what was going on there so uh 2009 i guess like at the end of 2008 uh, it was pretty much transitioning to okay who can uh, take the take the ball and run with it, so to speak. So we went back and forth, Brent Harvey and myself, kind of splitting carries in 2000, at the end of 2008. 2009 uh, came about, and we were at a point to where uh, I was playing a lot of special teams. Um, I basically was, and I actually won in 2009 Special Teams Player of the Year for UCF um, that year in 2009. I think we went to the St. Pete Bowl, or I don't know if it was called the St. Yeah. Pete Bowl at that point. Yeah, it was called St. Pete Bowl. So we go to St. Pete Bowl. Uh, at the end of the year, uh, I broke my, my shoulder uh, at the end of the year, probably like two games, one or two games before the end of the year. Uh, but I played I played special teams that entire year. Um, when we were playing Houston, I had a a, a huge fumble um, that I think I caused at Houston and got some fumble recoveries. I, I basically went back to my safety tactics at that point, right? So like playing special teams and just the continued effort, I was I was used to it, right? Uh, from playing safety in high school and uh, just showing tremendous effort and enthusiasm. When I was, um, you know, trying to get the scholarship initially as a walk on, it was really the same mindset for me. So um, I took pride in kind of being a uh, one of the catalysts of the special teams unit that year. And basically that was what Coach O'Leary and and Coach Salem and uh, all the coaches that asked me to do. So I was like, well, look, if that's my role on the team this year, um, I'm fine with it. And uh, I kind of made the best out of it. And um, really, my, my defensive stats probably that year is probably better than my offensive stats through that year. But uh, but I mean, it was it was fun. It, it allowed me to study more. Um, I actually bulked up a lot, um, got a lot a lot bigger. Um, I, I think uh, I got a lot smarter that year in terms of getting a lot of mental reps. Um, my body recovered uh, quite a bit just from continuous a couple years of banging uh, at being a running back. And then I can kind of deliver some punishment as playing special teams and flying down the field, going to tackle people. But um, but it was it was interesting and it was fun um, to play on special teams. And we had a real cool group of guys uh, that was that was a part of that unit. That season kind of gets forgot about, I think, a little bit. We we kind of lost the first couple of conference games early right, to Southern Miss and mm -hmm. East Carolina. But then, you know, we have some pretty big wins there. The, the comeback against Marshall at home was a big one. And then mm -hmm. the Houston game that you mentioned, the first time we ever beat a ranked opponent. But which, which one of those wins stands out to you the most? Um, I, I would definitely have to say Houston. Uh, first of all, I don't know who decided to wear black jerseys at a 12 o'clock game, but it was uh, scorching hot outside. Mm -hmm. 
We played at 12. Uh, the game was rocking. Um, it was it, it was an exciting time frame. Um, we had the opportunity uh, to make a statement, and I think that that was really a turning point in our season, that game, because everybody had kind of written us off, right? And I think that um, we really took it apart ourselves, and we re- practiced really, really hard that week, and uh, gave ourselves an opportunity to win the game. And we saw some areas to where we could um, make some make some big plays, and saw some weaknesses in there in their defensive scheme. So we took advantage of it. Um, Brand, I think he he had an excellent game that game, um, but really that whole week we were trying to help each other break down film because we didn't know who was going to play the majority of the snaps, right? Um, I was still kind of anchoring on the special teams unit, but, um, you know, Brent had a monster game that year against Houston, and it was just great to see, uh, you know, a team with a number beside it come down, especially in the bounce out. So I was, that that was the one that stuck out to me the most um, that year. All right, 2010 comes around, and it was kind of a season of change offensively. Obviously, Jeff Godfrey comes in and takes over at the quarterback spot. Uh, Latavius came back. He was injured the year prior. He's back. You're still back in offense. But it seemed like the offense in general just had a different look, a different feel in, in 2010. How would you describe it? I guess, was it different in 2010? Was there a different philosophy with, with Godfrey and sort of a, uh, a new, uh, I guess, a new regime in terms of how we want to run offense? Um, I, I think so. I think so. We um... – we changed up quite a bit. We didn't necessarily run so much. All right. Uh, fullback pro style, uh, run downhill, run power, ran gap. Like we ran those plays, but we ran them out of a, a lot of different formations. I mean, we ran out of pistol a whole lot. Uh, we ran out of the gun a whole lot more. Um, uh, Jeff isn't a, uh, he isn't vertically challenged, but he ain't seven feet tall like Shaq <laughs> either. Right. So uh, in terms of him being able to see over guys like uh, Ja and uh, the rest of our line that was there, um, it made it more efficient for him to be in the gun, right? So he could roll out, uh, so he could see clearly to get the ball downfield. Uh, because if he was under gun he, or if he was under center, he couldn't really see that well, right? So I think we found that out real early. But we found out he was also a very mobile guy, very creative guy. So uh, things like sprint options, uh, triple options uh, to where Tay and I could get in the backfield all at the same time. Uh, because if I because Bryn was coming back from injury at that point as well, too. Um, so Tay and I really had the reins of that that season, uh, which worked in our favor to have, you know, three different guys who could same backfield at the same time and um jeff really did add a dynamic piece uh, from, from a mobile quarterback standpoint um that could also throw the ball down the field so he did a a, a great job confusing the heck out of defenses and allowed us to kind of open up some seams uh for the running game as well too right because if you gotta have a qb spy or you gotta have somebody uh that can run with him on the edge, it's got one less linebacker in the game. So that, that works out best for the running backs. So we can kind of take advantage, even if we've been a little selfish. Well, yeah, you took advantage of a ton that year. You were, you were kind of the workhorse back for us that season. And one of the early games that year, we, we played at Kansas State. Uh, you gashed for 130 yards. You were averaging 5.9 a carry. 
but obviously we 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 come up short in a game we, we probably could have won there was an unfortunate drop pass on the sideline that i know mike remembers really well uh but uh <laughs> you you played phenomenal in that game how much does that game still hurt you because that's that was definitely a winnable game and and obviously at that point one of your one of your best performances at ucf yeah, uh, I, I really, I really think we could have got that that uh, K State game. Uh, I had come off a decent game before. We were in Buffalo the the week before, um, and we came back and won that game because I think we were either tied or down a touchdown at halftime uh, in Buffalo. And then we came back. I think I scored two touchdowns. Buffalo game uh, had about 50, 60 yards or so. And then I got the nod to start at Kansas State. So, um, you know, I really took it upon myself to really study the defense a whole lot. And um, I took it personal that they had the running back on the other team. I think his name was Daniel. But they talked about him way more than they talked about any of our running backs on our team. And our defense wasn't supposed to be able to stop him and he was going to be this all pro guy and all of this kind of stuff. And um, I really tried to just battle him the entire game from the offensive side of the ball, but it was, it was something I knew I could do just because their defense was very similar to how we played and we saw it all the time, but they just didn't have as good of athletes as we did on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I was like, well, listen, if I'm doing this every day against our defense, which I think is, is phenomenal at this point, I think I can do this as well as K-State. So once I popped off a couple of good runs, I was like, oh yeah, it's on at that point. Cause that happened in the first quarter. And then I think we had a tornado or something like <laughs> kind of delay yeah. for like an hour or something. So I was like, man, let's get back out here so we can keep running the rock. And, um, we, we we ended up coming up a little bit short, but it was a it was a game that I felt that we could have uh, definitely won and, and and projected us a little bit higher that year, putting our name even further on the map than it was at that time. Yeah, it was the AJ Guyton tripping going into the end zone play that drove me nuts from that game. And we talked to AJ about it. <laughs> we gave him crap for it. But that's the one. We should have won that game. Yeah, it definitely should have. Definitely should have. <laughs> uh, you, you brought up Buffalo. Do you remember getting hit by Khalil Mack at all or any of his hits stick out to you? Because when, when he talked to Godfrey, he said that was the guy that hit him the hardest. Um. I, so I don't remember him specifically hitting me because to be honest with you, I played special teams the first half of the game. I came in and I, I may have only had like eight carries or something like that. Like it had to be like eight, 10 carries or something. Uh, two of which were touchdowns. So I don't really specifically get, remember getting hit by him at all. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure as I run through, some film or I probably got blasted, but I can't, I can't specifically remember getting hit by him at all though. All right. You were in a zone though, during that year, you've had some games back to back where you put up 150 yards against Marshall. You had three touchdowns against Rice. You put up 180 yards and two touchdowns against East Carolina. What's it like when you're hot like that? And you're just getting uh, the ball every play. Yeah, I, I was, I was okay with it. Uh, but I, <laughs> I tell you, I, I'll tell you one thing though. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you got to have your mind and your body prepared. Like if, if you, we know you kind of, you kind of know during practice that week what the coaches have scouted out for us to do 
on Monday. Like when we go to Monday and we're recovering back, kind of easing back into the week from that, you know, a new week of practice, you can kind of tell what the mindset is that week. So when I got to Mondays during those weeks and I realized that we were going to do inside run and we're going to run the ball a lot that game, I went to training table and I bulked up. Like I tried to eat as much as I could because I knew I was going to get smacked at the end of the week. So I try to, I try to put on a couple of pounds. Like I would try to gain some weight. So you got to prepare yourself because you're going to go through a battle getting the ball basically 20, 30 times in a 60 play game on offense. So you're getting the ball 50% of the times and you're getting blasted every play. So um, for me, I, I was out, man. It was, it was, it was a great time because you can understand it. You can see things slow, things slow down a little bit and um, kind of helps you get into a rhythm when you can keep getting the ball. You don't have to get hot and then get cold and try to figure out what's going on. Um, you're running the plays. They're working. You know where the blocking schemes are coming from, and then you can kind of just react um, during that time frame. Do you guys game plan ahead of time who's going to be the main back that week? Because I'm looking at your, your attempts. You got 22 carries against NC State. You get 30 against Marshall. You get 30 against East Carolina. They're giving you the ball a lot. And then at, towards the end of the year, you're not getting very many. And then in the Liberty Bowl against Georgia, they only give you the ball one time. Do, do you know that going into the game? Is that part of the uh, game plan? Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's part of the game plan, right? So when you go and you kind of look at um, the week ahead, uh, especially like with me and Tay, um, we we had some similarities in terms of how we would run the ball, but uh, I, I'll give it to Tay, right? He was more of a uh, vertical threat in terms of catching the ball, right? Like he had, what, 6'3", something like that, um, and, and got some, some, some speed to get down the field in terms of being able to be a more vertical threat right so if we have a team that's going to exploit and kind of stack the box you might put in a more uh explosive bank that can get down the field a little bit quicker um or spread the defense out with some passing things of that nature uh so you might go with tay right but um but if i'm going to come in and i know i'm going to get the ball 20 25 times and we're gonna uh run for five six yards of carry uh, and then I eventually pop one, then maybe that's the mindset because we've got to wear down their linebacker core or work some crossing routes. But, yes, it's, it's all in the game plan based on what the coaching staff will see in the game plan um, and then who gives us the best opportunity to win. But, um, but at the same time, like, that can change up in the game. Uh, if you're not making the right reads, if you're not hitting the right holes, if you don't got the jukes that week, all right, somebody's getting in, and that's – kind of where the pressure comes at to where you need to perform every week but it's um understanding that you know you got somebody just as hungry as you that wants to get in the game that wants to get their name in the paper that they got family at the game as well too um that want to make uh, you know make get some stats and make a name for themselves as well too so it's um it's, it changes week to week um didn't necessarily change with kevin smith because he was the guy <laughs> but um, but with us, you know, with our kind of different skill sets, um, and that's kind of being, I guess you would say, uh, close in performance structure. Um, Tay, he obviously um, has done the best out of all three of us in terms of um, future past uh, collegiate football. Um, but, you know, especially in the early stages of our career, 
uh, we kind of had some similar uh, responsibilities and, and, and execution, right? So uh, really it was just a hot hand at that time. Whoever didn't go in the ball game and blow it and fumble, uh, that's who got the ball. Yeah, so if you did fumble, O'Leary is never putting you back in for the rest of the game, right? You go to one of the other guys. Well, well, I, I mean, it depends, right? It, it depends. Uh, I did fumble one time, and I did get back in the game. Uh, I think it's part of the game. It's part of um, your responsibility as a running back. I mean, um, I, one of our big slogans was uh, "boss ball security is job security, both yours and mine, right? So when the coaches used to bring that out, it's like, man, listen, hold on to the ball as best as you can. Um, but it wasn't the end of the world unless it cost, cost us the end of the world, right? Unless it cost us the game. Um, but – uh, you could fumble one time and kind of get um, back in the game, but that's that's building up trust as well too, right? Um, I think that Coach O'Leary did trust us in a lot of different scenarios to make the right decision, to hold on to the ball, uh, and put the offense in the best position to be successful. And, um, you know, he gave us some chances, gave us some opportunities, but you ain't going to get too many. Do you, and, uh, do you and Brent ever remind Tay or, or, or tell Tay that he owes you one because you guys took so many carries from him and, and, and college kept him fresh for his NFL career? <laughs> you know what? I, I might need to uh, bring that up again. That that might be a valid uh, valid piece of history that we got on our hands there, to be honest with you. But, no, I mean, um, it, it, was, it, it was really – like we were very competitive. Uh, but we were also happy for each other when we did score, right? Like we were happy when each other for each other when uh, we had monster games. It was just uh, the culture that we had. Uh, we're all going in this thing together because you never know. It's you know you're a twisted ankle away, or in um, Tay and Brent's case, you know ACL away from from playing, right? Like it, it's the game is so fragile. It's beautiful, but it's fragile in terms of people getting injured and breaking a bone or breaking a shoulder and it's next man up uh, mentality and attitude. So we were ecstatic when we would, um, when somebody else would have a big game, but it's, uh, but, but yeah, he might owe us like a few dollars. I'm just saying. taking a couple of them cares I'm just off saying. his hands. I mean, he just, yeah, he just donated money for the, for the training room. Maybe he could at least throw your name on there. You know what I mean? The, <laughs> the Bortles, you know, Murray Weaver, Harvey training room. I'm just throwing it out there as an idea. That, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Well, I know it's not up yet. Right. No. So I, things can still be adjusted at this point. You still got some time. Let's go to 2011 for a second, right? 2010, such a great year. First bowl victory, dynamic offense, young quarterback. You guys are just killing it in the backfield. And then 2011 rolls around, and we've talked to so many players who uh, who were a part of that team, and we ask the same question every time: What the hell happened in 2011? Because you would have thought that we were poised to to have another great season. We had a lot of guys returning, and that just wasn't meant to be. In in your mind and your memories, you were a senior that year too. Uh, what yeah. what do you think happened in 2011? Yeah, uh, I think I think in 2011, I, and I don't know if this is a an accurate uh, shot at what happened, right? So this this is for me in my mind. This is what happened. Um, I, I mean, we get at the end of the year, right? Uh, Tay is is starting um, at the end of the year. Uh, he plays Georgia, plays phenomenal in the game. We win the game. Uh, we make a lot of good plays. Uh, we're on the high horse. Um, I don't think that we got the big head at all. Um, that's not what I what I'm getting at, but I do think 
that um, we gave teams the opportunity to beat us. Um, we, we, we at times um, let people stay around in the game, put people, should have put people away when we earlier in, in the games. Uh, we did have some tough games too, whether it was like some, some rainy, like, fluke games to where we'd fumble here or there or drop a pass in the middle of a storm or something like that as well, too. Um, so it, we just had some bad breaks and things not go exactly our way the following year. Um, but I, I, we let people hang around too much. And I think that um, we needed to come out with a different mentality. Like we got to put everybody away and make sure they understand um, that we're here to stay and we ain't going nowhere. And I think that um, that's something that from that season we learned the following year, right? Now, granted, I would have loved to be a part of the any other team um, after 2011 as well, too, right? You got a lot of publicity, a lot of notoriety, a lot of great victories and wins and things of that nature. But I think uh, with the new guys that came in in 2011, they saw what it took to continuously stay on top, uh, and we let – too many people kind of hang around that season. So we lost a lot of close games um, and games that we should have won and been able to kind of continue to propel our season moving forward. Um, and I, not taken for granted, but we just kind of let too many teams that shouldn't have been there playing with us. We had way too much talent on the 20, 2011 team that we just kind of let them hang around too long and we lost some, some nail biters. Well, I, I got to imagine that that had to drive uh, Coach O'Leary crazy, right? I mean, he's a disciplinarian. Oh, yeah. He's a guy who's, you know, like you said, if you if you're not, uh, you know, early or late kind of guy, that that had to drive mm -hmm. him. What was he like that that 2011 season when, you know, things are maybe unraveling or maybe the focus isn't there? That that had to drive him up a wall. Oh yeah, he was he was miserable. Uh, he 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 was not a fun guy to be around. Uh, the 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 and you can kind of sense it. You can kind of tell uh, if you're starting practice over. Um, and you got to start all the way from period one again, and you already at period 12 uh, because practice is being sloppy or not, you're not, the, the intensity is not there. Uh, you know, you got some things to fix and things to adjust. Right. And that happened a couple of times during that, during that year, that 2011 season to where we just weren't executing, hitting on all cylinders. Um, whether it was a, a loss of a little mojo or whatever it was, whatever we're going to call it, um, we, we didn't execute. And I think that that's something that propelled us to continue next year to just be better, um, be uh, grind a little bit harder, dig a little deeper in terms of being excellent every play. And I think that that's something that we did not do consistently in 2011 uh, that 2012 kind of took to the to the next level. Yeah, there were some real frustrating ones that year. The FIU game, the BYU game is another one we let go. The UAB game drove me absolutely nuts. I think I just had it after that game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they'd been in some, like their third-string quarterback, their backup running back. I, I didn't see any way we could lose to those guys, and somehow we blew that one. But uh, UAB might be legitimately the toughest place to play, and that's why I respect – this is kind of off topic, but this is why I respect the heck out of the, uh, the NBA players that played in the bubble because there were no fans there. There was nothing that was going on. Uh, you had to lock in and focus, and you could not have any distractions. With the fans there, it actually helps you play. Like, they, they 
uh, drive momentum, whether you trash talking to people in the crowd or uh, you got fans screaming or booing, right? one one way or the other, actually having fans in the stands there. UAB had zero um, <laughs> fans there. Uh, and it was just tough to even concentrate and focus in those games. Um, but, you know, those are the things that separate being good to being great, right? And that's why uh, since that point, I think that it was a turning point in the in – the, kind of in the organization and the, in the culture that we needed to like we pinpointed things that we weren't good at and then stay consistent on and we've improved since then yep so you were a part of a lot of big moments man you were there when the stadium opened you were there in 2010 we won the conference again we went to we actually won our first bowl game against georgia a lot mm-hmm. of big time things happened in your time there how would you sum up your ucf career um so UCF to me, and this is another reason why I came to UCF, is UCF stands for opportunity. And some people kind of take that for for granted sometimes, but that's one of the biggest things that stuck out to me. I was like, man, if I got an opportunity to come to UCF, you know, they say that this thing stands for opportunity. And I'm, you know, 18-year-old kid coming to try to walk on. I was like, well, at least I got an opportunity to come and make history and that's what we wanted to be a part of right conference championships bowl game wins uh trust me coach kelly would remind us every time we would get to a bowl game well you you know we've been to bowl games we ain't won one yet and that was really our mindset when we went into you know each of those bowl games we got man we got to win one right we want to be the first people to win one uh, we want to be uh, conference championships. I want to I want a ring uh, that I can actually uh, say that I contributed to. Right. Um, those are the things that kind of drove us. And I think uh, to kind of summarize my experience there, man, it was it was just an, a time for us to continue to, to set a foundation, uh, attempt to create a legacy. I think that a lot of the guys that got there in 2007, we all graduated high school in 2007. Uh, so our 2007 class uh, was really instrumental in the fact that we wanted to uh, make UCF a place, uh, like a desirable place to go. Uh, a, a lot of us, before we got to UCF, we didn't know much about the school. We had kind of heard, you know, different things here and there. Uh, but we wanted to make it cool with the people that we knew back at the crib. And it was um, – really uh, that mindset that kind of drove us to create as much history while we were there and kind of be a part of that building block of foundation of success. So kind of where we are leaning towards consistently now. I see recently you got to meet president Cartwright, uh, new head coach, Gus Malzahn. What are your thoughts now on the future for UCF football? Oh, no, I, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, I think that, um, We've got the right chemistry. We've got the right people in place. Um, we've got the right attitude. Uh, we're going to get even more of the right players, um, and we're going to have more of an opportunity to to play in the big games, right? I think that that's really all we want is a shot, and I think that that's something that uh, is going to continue to drive this, um, this legacy forward. Um, Gus is going to do great, and he's already – um, doing great things. I thought the, um, and I told uh, President Cartwright the same thing. I said that the names on the, the Twitter names on the back of the jerseys was genius. Um, you're going to drive kids to go to your school just for that. 
And uh, if we could be a part of those things um, and creating a lane that UCF is known for, um, I'm all for it. So um, they have my undivided support. I mean, I'm actually here. I got on UCF socks as we speak right now. And everybody um, knows when I go, come into work or I'm driving around town, uh, um, they know that I graduated from UCF and I'm, I'm a proud to, to I'm proud to be a part of the legacy and, um, and and continued excitement around the school. So I think that the outlook for our future is, is tremendous. Um, the sky's the limit. And I think that we've just got to continue to execute. Right. I think that we've got the, the right pieces in place and, and uh, we just got to uh, make it happen. You still live in the Orlando area. You get to go to the game still. So I don't live in Orlando. I actually live in Atlanta. Um, we, uh, myself, uh, Jason Vincent, um, AJ Guyton, uh, Derek Hallman, we actually all went to the UCF Georgia Tech game uh, that was up here that honored Coach George O'Leary uh, last season. Uh, and, you know, obviously it was some social distancing and things of that nature going on. Um, but, that that ability to uh, travel, you know, down the street to go to UCL games doesn't happen as much anymore. But um, I, but I live in Atlanta now and and uh, try to get back as, as much as humanly possible um, to at least being around the atmosphere. It's a lot of changes that happened since since I've left. <laughs> a lot of new buildings, um, lazy rivers and all sorts of crap. Right. <laughs> so um, so I, I'm cool with it. I think that it's uh it's a, it's a sight to see. It's a spectacle. I think that um, when I visited other campuses and things of that nature, it's, uh, you know, we, we rival and excel uh, those other places. So um, for me, it's uh, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to be a part of it, be a part of the history and, uh, you know, be, be a part of the development of the culture as well within the school. Oh, look, we, we appreciate you taking some time, Ronnie. I know you, you've got a lot going on, but uh, we'll get you out of here on this. We end every interview with just a, a few uh, um, rapid-fire questions. Could be about music, movies, sports, food. Uh, could be anything mm-hmm. at all. So are you ready to face these, uh, these really tough rapid-fire questions? I got to shoot. All right, so I, I read uh, over the weekend that there was a guy uh, in Massachusetts who somehow got swallowed up by a humpback whale and then spit out and he's still alive, which to me sounds like the worst thing ever on the world to happen to somebody. So do you have a, an irrational phobia? Are you afraid of anything? Spiders, snakes, heights? What's your, uh, what's your phobia? Oh, uh, I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I don't fool around with sharks. I really don't. <laughs> you shouldn't, like, by the way. Yeah. You really shouldn't. Yeah. Fool around with sharks. Yeah. I mean, I'm not afraid of it, but I was, I was six years old or uh, six or seven years old and I was on the beach fishing and I caught a hammerhead shark. Ever since that point, sharks been off the list. That's a good call. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Taco Tuesday rolls around. Are you hard shell or soft shell? Hard shell. Hard shell 24-7. I got to get the crunch. <laughs> yep, I'm, just, I'm the same thing. Right I don't answer. know about these soft shells. That's the right answer. How many tacos are you putting down in a sitting if you have to? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say a smooth four because I'm going to wash the rest of it down some margaritas. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sounds like you got to figure it out. I can't argue with that. Um, all right. When you're flying, uh, do you prefer aisle seat or window seat? Um, I usually go left side of the plane, like every single time, left side of the plane, and I go uh, aisle seat. 
Yeah. Left side, I'll see. Middle of the plane, like near the exit row. Is there something wrong with the right side of the plane? Like, why the left side? Well, well, honestly, I'm I'm left-handed, so I naturally just, I don't know, it just leans left. And then when I get on the plane, usually the door uh, is on the left side of the plane, too. Like, the entry door, I, I just, I don't know. I th- That was, my, like, my first seat when I flew with UCF, too. Like, it was on the left side of the plane, so I just stuck with it. All right. Um, who's your favorite musical artist? Musical artist? Yep. Rick Ross, uh, hands down. Uh, Dade County 305. So that uh, Rick Ross is my my favorite musical artist. Um, uh, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a close second for me right now. You said you're from Lauderdale, right? We're 954 over because I'm actually in Fort Lauderdale right now myself. Well, I, I grew up when I was younger, Fort Lauderdale area. Um, I graduated from Bureau Beach High School. So all of my high school stuff will say Bureau Beach. Um, but, you know, I think South Florida is one big claimed area <laughs> that can span from basically Indian River, Palm Beach County, uh, Port St. Lucie, uh, you know, all the way down to the Keys pretty much at this point. So, uh, but yeah, that that's... Rick Ross is 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 on the top of the list for me. Uh, probably probably second is probably Kodak right now. Kodak Black. We can agree all those places make up South Florida, but one place that is not in South Florida, Tampa. Right? <laughs> yeah, Tampa's not it. <laughs> Tampa is not it. Not yeah. even close. <laughs> all right, all right, Ronnie. Let's say you you've had a bad day at work, bad day at the office, or whatever. And you need to call one of your former teammates to make you laugh. Just you, you call one teammate just to, you, you know is going to make you laugh, put you in a good mood. Which teammate are you going to call? Oh, I'm calling. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm going to call Jack Carter. I'm going to call Jack Carter because he probably have done. He probably has done something either in on social media that we can just make fun of, or it, it would just be a layup line like. Anything that he does is just so outlandishly funny that he doesn't know that it's funny, but everybody else does. <laughs> and we'll just make fun of him for, for hours. And, like, we still make fun of him for some of the stuff that he did at UCF. But Jack is just uh, an incredibly funny person. So you're laughing at him. You're not la- laughing with him. Yeah, it's exactly That's what I'm fine. doing. Okay, I'm exactly good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be one animal, what animal would you be? Uh, silverback ape wow. yeah yeah, that, yeah I, I would i would be we uh, talking about smarts you're talking about strength um there's a mystique there's a there's also a gentleness um but everybody knows not to mess with them right um because there's there's a ferocious a ferociousness that can come out as well too right so i think that that's the the thing that embodies me the most in terms of an animal. So uh, yeah, silverback ape, silverback gorilla. That's my that's my animal. What right. about the white horse? The white horse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, coach coach is the white horse. Yeah, yeah. I, I, co- listen, coach has the white horse is okay, um, but but I don't really I, like. I do horses, but like when 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 we first got to UCF. Um, yes, the Pegasus is continuously a big deal, and I, I thoroughly enjoy the Pegasus. But Nitro has taken us to a an entirely different uh, height, 
And I think it's because, like, you don't necessarily, like, like, can relate. Like, horses are horses are different. Horses kick people, break people's legs. Like, it's Broncos and all sorts of stuff. Like, horses are wild, man. But, um, yeah, the, the the white horse thing is is different. They they would be on the list, but they probably have to be like number five, like number four, number five. <laughs> All right, my bonus one for you. Uh, it sounds like you're an NBA fan. So as we're talking, uh, your your Atlanta Hawks are not doing well against the Sixers. They're down two one. Uh, but Lakers are out, Nuggets are out, Heat are out, Celtics are out. So who's going to win the NBA championship this year? Um, you know what? Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a strategic answer or not. Uh, so Kyrie's out yeah. again yep. because Kyrie cost my guy LeBron James a championship back in the day. Okay. Now, if he's out again to cost KD a championship, then that means the Brooklyn Nets are out because they would be my initial choice. Like, they were healthy. Uh, KD, Kyrie, and the beard, nobody's beating them, in my opinion. However, as it stands right now, I'm going to go with – uh, the Phoenix Suns. They look good. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Phoenix Suns. I just like the way that they're playing basketball right now. Um also um Book is a problem for yep. the entire league. He can go off at any time. Plus you got CP three that really needs a championship to submit the rest of his legacy, which I think he'll uh earn uh, if if Brooklyn is 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 not in. Brook Brooklyn is if they come back and they're remotely healthy they probably get two out of the three superstars back. I still probably got Brooklyn, but uh, if Kyrie is Kyrie is out and James Harden's not, you know, he's not back a hundred percent. Brooklyn might be out. They might not even get out of this round. I don't know, man. Kyrie's ankle bent in a direction it's not supposed to bend, uh, so that yeah, does that it, does it not just, bow well. Uh, it didn't look good. That did not really look did. probably a foul, not too, by the way. But uh, either way, Ronnie, we uh, we definitely appreciate you taking some time. I know you got a lot going on. I know you carved out some time in your day to, to to chat with us. So we definitely appreciate you uh, you hopping in. Uh, definitely enjoyed your career at UCF, and uh, I know a lot of the fans are going to love hearing from you and, and and listen to your memories, man. So we appreciate you, and uh, wish you the best of luck going forward. Okay. Yeah, no problem, man. Appreciate y'all for having me. All right, go Knights. All right, go Knights. Charge on. I'm Jeff Allen. Join me each week for unique yet common sense opinions on sports on the Jeff Allen Sports Talk Podcast. We will break down the sports world minus the hot takes with prominent guests and my stable of sports guys. It's sports conversation the way it should be. Search Jeff Allen Sports Talk wherever you get your podcasts or go to JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you should listen to the sons of UCF like your hair is on fire. Go Knights and charge on. All right, that was our interview with Ronnie Weaver Jr. prior to this uh, segment here, Mike. Uh, and Again, I think people forget, uh, you mentioned off the top, just how spoiled we were at UCF and just almost how snake-bitten we were, but also how fortunate we were because that was a lot of a lot of options right there. But, uh, you know, we had three guys, Latavius Murray, Bryn Harvey, and, and Ronnie Weaver Jr. We lost Harvey and Murray for a year each, but not the same year. So they each missed a year and sat out for injuries. And, uh, and, and during that time, Ronnie Weaver was kind of the, the guy who was always there. And, and when his, his number was called, he... You know, he stepped up and he played well. Then that 2010 season, he had some great stats. He reeled off some of the games he played uh, and some of the numbers he put up. But, you know, what? he's a guy, certainly, if you want to be cynical, and you heard kind of his his answers about a few things, like, you know, you, you basically asked him, hey, you only had one carry in the Liberty Bowl. 
And he was like, hey, Latavius, that was his game plan. That was cool. Right. And you, you talked about the competition and he was like, hey, you know, we made you know, these guys made us better. He could have easily been kind of bitter. Hey, I ran for 900 yards. Why didn't I get more touches? Uh, but seemed like such a team player, uh, rooted for his teammates and wanted the best for UCF overall. So you, you, you certainly love hearing stories like that. And uh, definitely glad we had a chance to catch up with him. He was a workhorse. Uh, looking over his stats, O'Leary was not afraid to just feed him the ball like he did for Kevin Smith. Some of those games, 30 carries a game. That's a lot. There's a lot of hits to take, and he, he made the most of his time. Man. He, he was a very productive back, and you know, splitting carries with Latavius Murray, is there's no shame in that. I mean, Latavius Murray is a great running back himself, and, and Brent Harvey was a great running back. He, he had a year or two with over 1,000 yards. So just we were, we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled watching these guys. You thought when Kevin Smith left, how do you replace that? Well, you replaced it with three guys, and they all were fantastic. And uh, even better guy to talk to. I really enjoyed that interview. He was, he was a great guy. Certainly was Mike. Certainly was. Uh, well, he's definitely a great guy. Unlike the people or the things we may nominate next, Mike. And this is our cow of the week segment where we pick something, somebody or whatever that, uh, maybe was annoyed as maybe it was kind of funny. Maybe it's kind of stupid. Uh, and something we want to pick on in homage to our neighbors, uh, to the, uh, to the Western Mike. So, uh, you lead off as always, who is this week's, uh, UCF Mike and nominated cow of the week. All right, as you know, and as we've discussed here on the show and on Twitter, season is not far from now. Less than 100 days, I think we're at 80 days now, 81, 80, something like that, from for kicking off the season. And I'm going to be at this game. I've already reserved my hotel room. I'm ready to go. I think you're talking about going. And mm-hmm. we've talked about doing a big party, a Sons of UCF tailgate. we got to get this done, right? we got to hang out with some of these people. Some of the fans we haven't got to hang out with. We've had this whole year of, of COVID that just passed, and we didn't really get to interact as much as we'd like to. So this is it. This is our shot. Kicking off the season, we're going to have a big party, right? And you know I've been doing my homework, and I, I brought up the, the idea of maybe doing this tailgate, guys, that, that does the thing at UCF where you can – they'll set you up with the spot. They give you the tent. They give you the table. They give you the chairs. I priced it out and everything, right? So I've been communicating with these people for the last couple of weeks and before I, I wanted to put it out there for everybody to decide what we want to do I wanted to get all the details I want to get all the pricing set up today they sent me an email with the catering menu now the catering menu is sponsored by Four Rivers we're talking about some pretty good food right everybody loves the Four Rivers smokehouse food I, I looked at some of the prices on these things <laughs> do you care to guess how much some of these things are. I don't know who they think they're talking to here with these prices, but I mean, let's get serious. Let me just cut straight to the, the alcohol menu, right? The beer and wine. How much do you think a, uh, a 12 pack of Bud Light will go for? Okay. So 12, right, 12 or Bud Light. Are we talking the 16 or the 12 ounces? 12, 12 ounce bottles. So 12, 12 ounce bottle. Okay. So that would normally in the grocery store go for, I think these guys want $22. <laughs> At the store goes for what? A 12 pack of Bud Light. 14, bucks, 15, yeah, somewhere in that yeah. ballpark, yeah. $37. $37. For 12, 12 ounces. How about a uh, 12 pack of Heineken? Uh, now Ooh. that usually will get you, you know, well, 60, maybe even 18 bucks or something. Uh, well then, right. at that rate, you're gonna forty forty nine bucks. 
$46 for a 12 pack of Heineken. Uh, some Angry Orchid Crisp Aspel Cider, $48.50 for 12 of those. You, you want a bottle? How about this? A beer wine bottle opener, $12. <laughs> or you could have a guy do it, a bartender that's basically just opening your beers, $50 per hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of these prices, I mean, I, I was willing to. Uh, I was going to talk to you. You want to split? It's four hundred bucks to get the spot, the tent, which was a ten by ten tent. And they tell me that really they recommend twenty people, but you can have as many people as you want. People can come and go. You know, I'd be willing to put a pay for a big chunk of it and lower the cost for the fans that want to show up. But I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it with the food, the drinks. Maybe we got to think of something else. Maybe either people are bringing their own food, bringing their own drinks, or we just got to find a new, a different spot and just do a traditional tailgate somewhere on campus. Now, the problem for me is I'm not going to have a car there. I'm not going to bring a tent and all that stuff. I'm coming up from here. I'm coming by myself. I think my cousin actually is going to meet me for the game. He's going to fly into town that weekend. He's never been to a game at UCF. I'm going to show him what it's all about. Um, but I'm, I'm just staying at a hotel right, right down the street. I just want to be able to show up there. That's why I looked into this place in the first place. I just want to be able to show up there not have to bring anything. You know, if I bring my own 12-pack of beer, fine. I can do that. But I don't want to have to bring the grill and all the food and all that stuff. So that's why I wanted to do this. But for these prices, I don't know if it's going to happen. So the next thing we got to do now is figure out somebody. Who's got a parking spot that they they want to host this party at? I'm looking at lots E6, E8, maybe even the baseball lot, maybe even the softball if we had to. Somebody listening to this show. Let's get this thing going. Let's get this ball rolling. We got a couple months now to figure this out. It looks like maybe this tailgate guy's maybe out of the picture, especially not definitely not with the food thing. Or another thing we can do, the traditional what I used to always do, like a UCF pub crawl where we start out somewhere on one side of the campus and then work our way over. We stop at the alumni center for a couple of drinks there. We go over to Burger U. We have a couple of drinks there. Then we go up to the Cabanas. We have a few drinks there pregame. You guys tell me what you want to do. But let's get this thing going, right? And Four Rivers, I don't know who comes up with the prices on this. Is it Four Rivers? Is it Tailgate guys? You guys get out of here. You guys are cows with $37 for Bud Light. You, I mean, come on. <laughs> you want to jack up the price a little bit. I understand you got to make some money. That That is a, a little ridiculous in my eyes. Yeah, well, this, this thing went a lot of different directions. So first of all, uh, uh, I, I'm kind of mad we didn't think of this idea as a business because it sounds like you can make some money doing this. Uh, so I kind of feel like we're cows for not thinking of just, hey, we'll, help, we'll tell people they can hang out and tailgate. Uh, and then it turned into a sales pitch, and then it turned into somebody giving Mike a, a spot for the game, all of which turned into uh, we got to find places to drink. So, But 37 bones for uh, some Bud Light, yeesh. I mean, that's just... I don't know what we're doing there. Can you, can you, you do have to buy the food packages? You can't just get the tents no. and some chairs. And can we bring our, our yes. own coolers full of stuff? Is that an option? Yes, that is. And they do have bellhop service. So if you want to bring your own stuff, you can leave it there. They'll watch it for you during the game. And after the game, you come back and pick it up. This way, you don't have to roll everything back to your cars. That's why you see people at Memory Mall. That's why that never really appealed to me because those people, you have to pack up like two hour, an hour and a half early. You got to, Get all your stuff back to your car. Then you got to go all the way to the stadium with this spot. And the, it's a prime location. You two minute walk from the stadium and you don't have to bring any of your stuff back. That is another reason I really wanted to do it. Now, if we bring our own stuff, we could do that. They actually, for this deal, you can bring, they provide you with five chairs and a table, right? 
But if you want to add another table, then they charge you another 50 bucks. If you want to add a cooler with 40 pounds of ice, that's $75. So uh, that we may just have to bring on our own. <laughs> Some of these other prices, I'm just looking at them laughing. Man. Uh, a gallon of sweet tea, 10 bucks. Uh, oh, what was my favorite one? The, uh, the bite size, the, the desserts, the bite size brownies, bite size, a dozen. So I can, I can house that on my own. Twenty one fifty. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I know we have some some bakers that listen to this. I know Jan and Britt like to make some cookies and brownies and stuff. Let's go. That's their thing. They bring that. Everybody pitches in a little bit and brings something. We get somebody else to bring some cups. We get somebody else to bring some napkins. We get somebody else to bring some burgers. If somebody's got the spot and a grill, let's do this big. Let's do it. Sons of UCF style. Get to hang out with everybody and. You know, we will be there ready to party. I just, I'm not bringing all kinds of stuff to it. So, Sons of UCF potluck tailgate is what we got here. Exactly. Okay. So that's what we got to figure out. And we've got 80 days to figure it out. So, let's get on it now because this is not something you can just throw together in a week. We can't talk about this the week before the game and then wonder why it didn't get done. So, let's uh, start talking about it now. Yeah. Get a party planning committee, whatever we got to do. Who, who wants to get in on organizing this? First thing we got to do, I think, is find where we're doing it who's got the tailgate spot so who's volunteering to do that and then from there we'll get this ball rolling uh, look it's an important conversation i'm glad we're having it uh but knowing us we'll probably wait till like 20 days before and be like hey did we ever decide this but either way uh so this was a cow of the week slash a uh, an opportunity for uh for a get together so your rare uh combo platter for cow of the week mike uh here's where i'm going cow by the way get at ucf mike on twitter if you got ideas hit us in the dms uh find us all on social media stuff um my cow of the week mike uh i was i was flipping through the internet today and i saw like a headline and i I had to like double click on it because I wasn't sure I saw this headline and I read it and I realized I did see this headline. Like busy sports weekend. A lot of things. NBA playoffs are going on right now. Baseball is playing the Euro League uh, soccer championships are going on right now. Mike, a lot of good sports this weekend. But did you uh, did you get a chance to catch the big uh, the big boxing match? No. Oh, oh, you didn't see the big fight. There's a big fight this weekend. You didn't see the big fight. No, I heard there was a fight. I heard it sucked, but I didn't. Uh, no, I, I couldn't even tell you who was fighting. Well, what, I, what, are you talking about which fight? Because I think there was like a Twitter versus YouTube fights. There was a, an actual boxing match with names that people know. Oh, well, the big fight, Mike. You know, the, the big uh, big ticket fight of Lamar Odom versus Aaron Carter, of course. Uh, because <laughs> why wouldn't those two people be fighting each other? But apparently Lamar Odom, who was like, uh, like literally on the brink of doorstep, uh, just beat the living tar out of Aaron Carter. Uh, probably because he's 6'10", and Aaron Carter's like 5'4". Uh, Mike, what are we doing with all this stupid celebrity boxing stuff, right? It was funny for a little bit, right? But we got Nate Robinson getting knocked out. We had Ocho Cinco. Obviously, we have the, the Paul brothers are fighting everywhere. What what are, the, what are we doing with celebrity boxing? Does anyone really want to see celebrities who aren't really even celebrities anymore punch each other in the face? I don't understand. Like, who tuned in to Lamar Odom versus Aaron Carter? You know, like, I, who, who's watching this? Why is this interesting anymore? I don't, the first couple ones maybe are interesting. You know, uh, Paul versus Mayweather. I could see the allure there because Mayweather is a professional fighter. But what, what, we're just we're just doing straight money grabs now. Is that what we're doing? We're Logan, or Logan Paul is one thing, but we're doing Lamar and Aaron Carter. That's just a straight money grab now. Yeah, I feel like this has been going on for a long time now. Maybe it's getting more popular again. But they, they were doing this. Danny Bonaducci versus uh, oh, Seiko, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, butterbean fights and all that stuff. So, I don't know if this is something new, maybe it, it 
it's jacked up again recently because of the Paul brothers and people are seeing how much money they're making off of it. They're making millions of dollars. So they're figuring, you know, let me get a piece of this. Let me get a little taste. And it's, it's coming back. But yeah, I saw one clip of that uh, Aaron Carter fight and he unloaded on Odom like five punches to the face, did not phase him at all. Yep. And I mean, these are not real fights. These guys are wearing gear, headgear and all that stuff. It's, I don't know who's watching it. It wasn't me, obviously, because I didn't even know about it until after you told me. Yeah. But uh, whatever. I feel like we... If they're going to make money off it and and they're going broke, then that's what they got to do. I feel like we've jumped the shark when we got Lamar Odom versus Aaron Carter. I feel like that's that's where celebrity boxing just needs to... You know, put put its flag in the ground and say we've had a good run. Let's let's see you later. I mean, the Paul brothers are trying to be legit fighters. They're training for real. They're they're working out. I think as much as they they obviously aren't, uh, there's still a celebrity element to it. I feel like there's a little bit of seriousness there. But when we're just trotting out Lamar and Aaron Carter, I think that's where we jumped the shark on celebrity boxing. Uh, and 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 so I guess Mike, what's uh, if do you have a UCF on UCF uh, celebrity boxing match you'd like to see? Like, can we set one of these things up? You think? Like, who, who do you think we could get if we want to put together a UCF versus UCF celebrity boxing match card? Well, that's what I was just about to suggest myself. And you know, the perfect location, our tailgate. Nice. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Physical <laughs> violence and and booze and expensive food. I'm in. I'm in. Let's set up a ring. I mean, we got so, we set up some podcast fights, you know, a couple other guys that want to take us on or whoever. Uh, you got some guys in the dungeon that, that always argue with each other. You can, you go set up a fight there between a couple of those guys. Um, maybe some ex players against them. I, I don't know. A basketball player versus a football player. The, the possibilities are endless really. And actually, I think they used to do this back in the citrus bowl. I think there was a time where there were actually people that if I remember it correctly, did it. And I think they got in big trouble and weren't allowed to do it anymore. But mm-hmm. it did happen for a, a game, I'm pretty sure, back in the early 2000s. I, was, uh, I remember watching some boxing in the parking lot. Oh, maybe there's still some options, Mike. I, maybe we'll come up with celebrity uh, UCF fights because, heck, everybody else is doing it. So my cow of the week is whoever's putting these things together because I don't even – I don't even know how, like, I feel like someone comes in the room like, hey, boss, yeah, hey, listen, about that celebrity boxing match, I got a great idea. Oh, really? What, what do you got? Like, I got a card people are going to like. Okay, good. Now, we need good ratings. You know, things are great. Who, who do you got? Who's interested? Could I interest you in Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter? And why that person didn't just say, get out of my office? I don't understand. So, cow of the week. <laughs> oh, you know, there was a big argument this week on uh, social media. Maybe we can set it up. Jeff Sharon versus Brendan Helwig. I did see that. Duke. I did see that. Yes. Duke, get out. I did that. Live. You know what? Man, that would be interesting. That, <laughs> that, that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We, we well, I mean, Jeff's going to be busy. He's the, he's the announcer guy, though. He's yeah, going to have to. That's true. He's going to have to either, you know, whoop some ass and get up to the booth or get his ass whooped and get up to the booth, whatever <laughs> it would be. I don't know. Um, so he's going to have to, we're going to have to set that up early because he's going to need to be there. I don't, we don't need him with like a bloody lip trying to announce the third down. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe Elo has to take his place or something. Elo versus Trace. I mean, no, like I said, come we can on. do. I mean, Elo and Trace. A million things we can do here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, we'll figure something out. Knowing us, that means we actually will never figure anything out. What we did get figured out, Mike, is how to bring you the 136th edition of the Sons of UCF. 
And we definitely appreciate you all for tuning in and listening in. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to Ronnie Weaver recruiting talk. We had a, we had a fun time doing the show this week, Mike. It's good to get back on the live interviews. We still will throw in some of those recorded ones here and there because there's so many good interviews and we want to make sure they get back out in circulation. So we'll get some of those uh, spliced in here and there, but good to, Good to be back with a traditional show. And don't forget, we'll be back again on Thursday with the Suns UCF Live. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media channels, which is at Suns UCF. Uh, also, make sure you find and bookmark our new website, 2nightsmedia.com, the number 2nightsmedia.com. All of our content archived there for your viewing and listening pleasures, Mike. A lot of stuff uh, a lot of stuff going on in our little space here. We're glad everyone supports us, and we appreciate everyone's support out there. That's right. Can't stop. Won't stop. Eh, 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 eh. Stay tuned all week. We're coming out with new stuff Thursday, Monday, sometimes a Sunday night conversation. Who knows? You never know when we're going to add some things for you. So keep, you know, you got to subscribe or is that they're calling it now? Subscribe or it's called something else, right? Uh, follow maybe. I think you're, you got to follow or something on, on Apple podcast. Yeah, they changed their whole platform. It's actually right. dreadful. Yeah. So, subscribe kind of connotes that you have to pay for it we we don't have to pay for our stuff we give it to you for free every week just uh send us a nice review send us five stars and we're happy with that all right well everybody uh again have a fantastic week we will talk to you all on thursday on the live show until then uh adam and mike are signing off and uh we'll see you around everybody go knights charge on sports social podcast network Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 